Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. We are going to talk with a special guest about how she transformed education by defying the traditional education model. Our special guest today is Carrie Beck. She's a homeschool veteran, hostess at How to Homeschool My Child. Um, She's a homeschooling content creator, podcaster at Homeschool Coffee Break, and a homeschool event organizer of two annual events, one that's upcoming next week called the Homeschool Superheroes Week, and um, one that's called Life Skills Leadership Summit in February. Welcome, Carrie. I'm glad to have you on the show. 
again. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited. This is going to be interesting and fun. Yes, yes. Um, This month we focus on just homeschool stories. I I think it's important to share our stories, where we've been, um, what we've gone through, because I think a lot of people, especially when they're contemplating homeschooling or or looking at those that have been there, and, uh, you know, we often say, well, I could never do that. Um, But it's good for them to know where we started (laughs) and how we were those people that said, I could never do that too. (laughs) And um, the bumps along the road and just kind of how we we made it through and um, to give encouragement and and also just some hope that that there are some great things ahead if if they dive into um, this calling um, that they may have to home educate their children. So um, so so Carrie is um, the the last of our four interviews this month that with homeschool veterans, um, specifically to share stories of encouragement. And and Carrie, I would love for you just to introduce yourself and your family to us as we're getting started, so our viewers can get to know a little bit about your story. And we'll be sharing more specifics about that, um, but just in general, um, who you are and. Um, and just anything else you want to just start off the show with and sharing about yourself. Sure. I would love to. So I am Carrie Beck. Um, we homeschooled for 10 years. Uh, before we homeschooled, I never said it publicly, but I said, I'm never going to homeschool. You know, personally, <laughs> I thought homeschoolers were too lazy to get up and get their kids to um, school. But we have three kids and we did homeschool for 10 years. We did actually all of public school, homeschool, private school, you name it. We did it co-ops. But um, my kids are all grown. They are all adults. My oldest is Ashley. She is married to Jesse and they have two girls, Faith and Elizabeth that are six and eight years old. And then I have a middle daughter and she lives in Austin. I have a middle daughter, Gentry, who is married to Andrew and they have two kids, one four-year-old little Landry and well, he'll be two years old in about two weeks. We're going wow. to the birthday party. In weekend. <laughs> so I'm starting to relive all those things. I mean, actually, yeah. I remember Gentry when she was younger, before she even got married. She's like, Mom, um, I'm just bringing my kids for you to do all the crafts. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that loves crafts. Why are you going to send your kids to me? But anyway, so those are my married kids. And then my youngest is Hunter. He is single and he lives in Houston and um, works and goes to church and has a great little community there as well. So I'm really blessed because all three of them, I live in Bryan College Station and we're right in the middle of it. So it's real easy for us to get together And one of the things I really, I guess I could sort of brag on my kids is they still really enjoy being together. We try to do a family vacation. It's usually just a long weekend because it's just hard to get everyone together. Right. And they are actually planning it in October to go to Broken Bow because it's so important that we still get connected. And even my son, he will drive up for the birthday party in Dallas four hours away. And so... That's a real blessing. Um, That's amazing. You I just know the, the connections that you you create when you homeschool, and I, I I think we often, you know, we we focus so much on the teaching, the education, that but it's the the family dynamics that are created when you are together all the time. Which you know, some some people see that as a disadvantage, but it really on the flip side, when when you're looking, you know, at your efforts through that 
that's when the payoff comes when they do. Because our son drove all the way from Florida to Minnesota just to be with us for a week um, because he hasn't been to any family functions and he really just wanted to reconnect. And we go out to visit him twice a year out there, but it's just not enough because you're, you're so used to being together all the time and you miss those connections. That's good. And you know, really... I know it's like, okay, I'm putting on homeschool superheroes next week. And as I interview, like I've interviewed Peggy, I've interviewed other people. One of the things that comes through, I think, and these are people that have been homeschooling for a while, is really homeschooling is all about building relationships. Academics is just sort of a tool. And like what you're saying right there, that is really my heart. I did not know that when I, I mean, we were still purposeful in building relationships with our kids before we homeschooled. One of our things, and it still would be today, is eating dinner time together on a regular basis. And I am just sort of shocked at how many families don't. But yes. I... I'm like sitting at our dinner table right here, sitting here, you know, just sitting here and having conversations, you know, and we just made it work pretty much every day so that we were always focused on spending a little bit of time together. Yes. Yeah. You, you've mentioned that um, event that's upcoming, Homeschool Superheroes. And um, there is a, a link I just put down below on the screen, homeschoolsuperheroes.com. Can you just talk a little bit about what that event is? Sure. It is. It's a fun event. It's sort of a back to school chance for you to get encouragement. But we have a variety of topics. We have people talking on how to homeschool, homeschool encouragement. We have all the subject areas. We call it our daily study hall. And so every day you'll get two or three of those. They're just spread out. And then we have parenting and faith and planning and organization. And then one day we just have it all together. Peggy's part of this day. Um, teens and tweens preschoolers and special needs kids. So, um, you know, about when I started two or three years ago, I actually started this in 2010 and did it for five years. And then our business became a hobby business. And then I revived it in 2020 during um, the pandemic. And special needs, yeah. I didn't really have any speakers. So after that, and people kept asking, I kept going, okay, we need to get people on that topic specifically. I know a little bit, I know a lot about education. I can tell you my story, but Special needs is not really my specialty. And so um, that was something I was thankful that I met Peggy a year ago. It was just in one of these about holidays. Um, yes, you and I'm just going to give you a little plug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was like, this is so cool. And we only live like probably a couple hours away from each right, other. Right, exactly. But, <laughs> but she, the one of her talks this time is... Um, be angry and train your kids. I may not have said it yeah. correct, but yeah. that is our keynote for our Parenting and Faith Day. And so we will mm. play that after our kickoff. And um, you'll have a chance to just hear some very personal stories from her. I was really touched. And there was oh, a few you. times I was about to tear up because <laughs> I just brought back so many memories from me and things that I dealt with myself. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, I'm excited well, to be part of that. And and yes, we will include the link in the description as well, but it's homeschoolsuperheroes.com if you want to um, to check that out. And the event is free if they watch live, right? And then they can get a VIP ticket and then access all the videos whenever that... Um, exactly. So. Videos and podcasts. It's free. So um, we're doing a little differently. So like at one o'clock my time every day, we'll release all the videos for that day. So you have 24 hours. So it's not like you have okay. to actually be on a live 
but you do have to watch whatever you want within 24 hours with the free ticket. And you also get a swag bag that's $1,000 worth of swag. So Yes, yes. Lots, lots of good stuff. Um, and so so thank you for um, for putting that on and being encouragement um, with, through those events because I know um, a lot of people just really gravitate towards that when they need like that real big boost right before the school year. <laughs> and in the middle, too, because right. you have another event that happens during the middle of the school year um, that kind of helps people get through <laughs> to the, <laughs> the end of the year. Um, yeah. So as far as your story, um, you said you didn't start out with the goal that you would, would home educate. Where were you in that educational process? Um, what was your background and, and what were your objections? Um, my background, well, okay. My objection is what most everyone that's not a homeschooler is, was, oh, socialization. Okay, we'll just put that over there. My background is I was a public school teacher for six years. I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. I can read a scope and sequence upside down, backwards, forwards, any way I can write one, create one, all that stuff. I sat on um, uh, curriculum choosing, you know, whatever. We would choose Mm -hmm. the math textbook for the next five years. And so um, and I have always like as a child, I wanted to be a teacher. I played school. I had my little desk and my little chalkboard in my room. And that was, I didn't know that's what I would end up doing. Uh, I actually went into accounting for uh, a summer because I had two majors and God clearly showed me, no, this is not for you. And so (laughs) I ended up moving back to College Station here one week before school started. And I was like, I'm just going to sign up to substitute. I'm moving here to lead Bible studies for the college kids that go to Texas A&M. And one week before school start, I go in to fill out the application and I was like, filling it out, turning, they go, just a minute. They call me back. They send me to the fifth grade campus and they end up hiring me that day. And I was like, okay, this is a God thing. I'm in the right place. He made it very clear. So anyway, I taught school for six years. I got my master's during that time. Um, Then when my kids were born, my oldest, I, um, I stayed at home and we really did wrestle that before my oldest Ashley went to kindergarten. You know, we went to, um, my husband was really leaning towards public school. I was, I guess I had already started to see things about the public school that I didn't feel comfortable uh, with, but yeah. I also wanted to do what God wanted me to do. Right. There's a local, yeah, yeah, you just, you know, and I do say exactly. that you need the freedom to do, I mean, we did it all. Let, let's face it, we did all sorts of things through the years, but um, we went and talked to the principal at the local Christian school and ended up putting our kids, the oldest there. And really, while she was there in third grade, we pulled her out for a semester because she'd been bullied that year. There were only three wow. girls in the classroom and she was the odd man out. So we did it just as a last resort. And then in fourth grade, we put her back in. And she, um, it was a miserable year. I've never hmm. seen my husband so upset when we left about February from a teacher meeting. And, you know, I won't even go into the details, but I hmm. believe God made that not a good year. And I feel bad for my daughter but so that we would pull them home. And so we really homeschooled just as a last resort. In the end, we fell in love with it. And all of a sudden, both of us, Steve and I, were speaking at homeschool conferences. Who would have known? Now, I would say 
I'm not going to homeschool. He would actually say it publicly in our Sunday school <laughs> class that he taught. I was like, why are you saying that? But anyway, um, that's sort of the background. So we just right. got pushed into it. Um, I will say one thing I did know as a public school teacher, there was one thing I always wanted. And I never really got one, a classroom set of a good book that we could read all together. So there was one thing I knew I wanted to do when I homeschooled, and that was to read real books because their textbooks would get like the fifth grade textbook. They get two chapters of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then they get another one. Then they get a made-up story. And it just, anyway, I knew that was not what I wanted. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. So that was how we got started in all of it and sort of had to learn as we went. Oh, yeah. And I think we all we all learn as we go. And, you know, I not having any teaching background, I was my interview last night, I was telling my guest and and she was the same in the same boat as me, but I didn't even know what the word phonics meant. Um, <laughs> my poor kids. Um, I was just at a loss, um, but they, they survived me. Um, we, we somehow graduated them all. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's what it is. I mean, you, you go in equipped with what you have and then you, you move on, on from that. I, I want to make a quick comment. We have uh, Doug is watching um dr douglas um peter sma is watching from cheyenne wyoming well um thanks for watching um doug i'm glad that you're with us i know who he is um and um just happy to have you watching the show um so question following up oh, from can what, I make what one last comment oh, yeah, yeah please do. um 
when I started to homeschool, everyone's like, because people, it was still not, it was like um, 2000 or so, or nine, early, I don't know when it was. But everyone's like, oh, you can do it because you were a school teacher. Oh, yes. you can do it because you have a master's in curriculum and instruction. And I will tell you as we talk, that, but I mean, I had to just like completely flip. I think it was really a detriment. But And that's what I was going to ask you system, to. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, no, I, I people know, like, that's what they thought. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would really love to know what you think made it harder for you to homeschool because of all the training that you had. Yeah, you. it's like we've been, I mean, let's face it. I grew up in a public school. I went to a, a public college. I taught public school. My kids went to a private school, which is still run very similarly. Not all private schools are, but, um, you know, you still had all your grade levels and you had all your grades and you did all your subjects and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, so the book thing was nice because I actually knew I didn't want to use reading textbooks for one thing. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, I was sort of figuring it out as I went. Um, I had, I call it the conveyor belt. I feel like so many of us grow up on this conveyor belt where yeah. we all get put on the conveyor belt at this station. We're all tested the same way. We do the mm -hmm. same activities and then we get a stamp of approval. We go to the next one and there's right. 12. And then on the 12th one, we get our final stamp of approval and we're sent to the market, to the job market. And so mm -hmm. this is really, I think, a description. Everyone is all the same. And so I had to sort of rethink and, you know, I don't know, de-schooling. There's some phrases that people right. use, but I just mm -hmm. had to like rethink my mind on what I had to train myself and really educate myself on what is education. I will tell you, I yeah. learned more about real education as a homeschool mom than as uh, my undergraduate degree in education or my master's degree in education. And so there's just so many things. I learned more about the history of education and how it had changed through the 1900s and for yeah. me, not the better. And so <laughs> those are the things I had to sort of flip flop in my mind. It actually wasn't too hard for me, but I had to be really intentional I call it the checklist and the, I mean, the conveyor belt and then that productivity checklist. I love a good <laughs> checklist. That's just who I am. I'll write it down so I can cross it off. Right. But, yep. um, you know, so that was sort of where I was. And those were sort of some of the struggles that I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, from what I've heard from other people, like I've got people on my team who were trained as special ed teachers, you know, they, they even say, I, I felt less equipped because I had to work through all those mindset changes before I could even start schooling and real education because what I had been doing for so long really wasn't going to work at home. Um, was there anything that you tried that you were like, Nope, scrap this. We're going to, you know, <laughs> completely let that go. Did you try anything that you had used in the classroom and then realized that it wasn't going to work at all? Well, I will say, like, we have an office over there. We were privileged, but 
I mean, I still decorated the whole thing and did all this stuff, which probably wasn't necessary. When the kids got older, we just sort of scrapped it and they would just, um, you know, study in their bedroom. Um, I don't know that I ever said, okay, I'm just going to scrap it. I will tell you that summer before I started homeschooling, I went to the Houston conference. I'll tell you a couple of stories. One, I was going, I'm not going to name any names of curriculum publishers, but I was going to use this one grammar program. That was the one thing I knew I would use because it was, um, I mean, and the thing is you couldn't actually take it home. You had to order it and they would ship it to you. And I went to this conference and Sally Clarkson was, they had just come back from England and, or wherever, no, they were missionaries in the Eastern Europe or wherever they were missionaries beforehand. And she was speaking and I planned to just go to go through the book fair and get all my stuff. And then in the middle of the afternoon, I was like, well, I finished all that. I'm gonna go listen to a workshop. And she had a workshop called Whole Books, Whole Child. And just that books idea was still coming up in right, my head. Yeah. So I went and listened to her. And oh, that was probably, that was the beginning of my thinking, because that was back, that was in June. And before I went home to my parents lived there, I went through all my brochures, figured out what I was going to do on Saturday, because back then, right. there really was less shipping. You really picked up more stuff right there yes. and then brought it all back home. Right. And I completely gutted that grammar thing, which wow. was your hop on the conveyor belt. It was a great level. It was the worksheets. It was all mm -hmm. the things. And bought one book called Simply Grammar. I don't know that it's um, still in uh, print. Well, it's in print, but I don't know if they're regularly publishing it. Yeah. And it was a Charlotte Mason perspective of, mm -hmm. um, of grammar. And while I really liked, well, one, Sally Clarkson recommended it, and I had sort of fallen in love with her at the time. And mm -hmm. what I liked about it is, one, it would go many years. Two, it integrated the teaching of grammar into real books and to real talking and real writing. And all yes. of a sudden, grammar wasn't just a worksheet. It was something that we could actually um, use in real life. Like we're studying verbs, go get your book that you're reading and find a paragraph and show your mom all the verbs in that one or write it on a piece of paper or whatever. Right. And I actually used that book for about five or six years and I fell in love with it. I thought it was just an easy, relaxed way to homeschool and not so rigid like, you know, and we never did do the thing where, okay, everyone's doing math right now. Everyone's doing this. I did have to sort of flow my schedule because I had to help. My, they were little, and so I had to help them right. um, individually. So that was one thing. The other thing is many of my friends dropped off their favorite books on how to homeschool. And I read most of them or skimmed most of them. I had a, um, a college girl, we would call her an adopted Aggie. Um, I was actually in her wedding up in Bentonville when she got married, but this is before then. And she came by and dropped off a book. And it is the only book I actually purchased out of all the ones. And huh. it was for the children's sake. I really didn't know anything. I didn't know Simply Grammar or Charlotte Mason. I just loved the approach to it and felt like it would have more purpose and intention. So... I got rid of those grammar worksheets and we had purpose, believe it or not, with grammar. And then that for the children's sake, I would say over that first year really helped me sort of think through things I could do. So I probably did rely a lot more on my education. That first year I did things more like a public school or like, you know, teaching this subject this way. The right. biggest thing was books. And so we did 
we read aloud history books um, and we would do our history. I used sunlight. And, you know, so that was probably the biggest thing that we did mm -hmm. was change over and try to find real living books to um, to actually educate. Yeah, I, I I embraced that, too. It it just seemed to really flow with with our kids and and made so many subjects come alive because they were starting to be relational. And it comes back to what we were talking about kind of at the beginning. It's that relationship. And we are wired to have a relationship. And when we remove relationship from the education process, from our family, just interactions and make it all just, you know, this, it's about getting things done, tasks on a list. Um, that's when we lose the fun. We lose the, the, the depth of what education really is. Um, and so, so those books bring to life so many things that, um, that regular textbooks just can't. And, and so I love that, that, all of that came together and that God started that seed in you even before you started homeschooling, that books were um, real books that go from beginning to end, that there's a story. Um, how did that um, like expand out throughout your homeschooling years? And what did that look like in, in how you taught your kids with living books or in other subjects? Well, I will tell you and confess to you, I was not a reader as a child. I did not like it. We had, <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if they had it when you were school. They had this little thing called the Saltgrass Reading Trail. And back in the 60s, the, um, oh, the cows, I mean, the horses and the cows would go right down Interstate 10 on the feeder road, right by my elementary school. And this was a little thing that would end whenever those people did. So we had September to February. I would read just enough books to be able to fill all those in and get my little prices. And that was it. No more. If you ask my children now, they're like, she's a voracious reader. I mean, we share titles. My daughter just dropped off four books in a, a, a series. And my anyway, so we all like to read. But not all my kids like to read growing up either. And I say that just to mm. give you hope because so many parents want to, um, they're like, oh, I want them to love this and I want them to love that. Well, son, Hunter, my son, oh my gosh, I was always searching for something that he would actually read. And yes. when he was like eight to 10, I think, I can't remember what I found. The Lemony Snicket, I don't know, books, but anyway. I found like two series. The rest he would read. We would sit in here and I'd be reading um, a church history book that was a story, not just facts and dates. And he'd be right. throwing his ball up and I'd read one page. And this is like a fifth grade textbook. And he was about fifth grade, but we're doing it together. I was like, well, what was that about? I don't know. <laughs> you know, and he had, <laughs> <laughs> he's a smart kid. Like right. he makes, he made really good grades. But anyway, um, so I had, again, I had to sort of rethink what to do with him because he didn't. And so some of the classics that I would have thought he would have loved to read, he didn't. And so right. I had to be flexible with that. And just because there was something written on say a fifth grade reading list, I had to pay attention to his individual interest and concerns. Ashley yes. loved um, history. And so that was something that was easy to sort of tie in. Gentry, she would read anything and everything. So although now <laughs> she does not read nonfiction, she'll tell me. She goes, I do, but I'm not really into it. So, okay. <laughs> But I do think one of the, some of the things that we did to encourage that is 
read aloud books every day. Yes. I will say even starting from the beginning as a public school teacher after lunch every day, we came back and I read a book. Now that was where I was able to pour into those kids real books. And as a yeah. believer, that is how I could read a Christian book at Christmas time because I would read the best Christmas pageant ever, which has a Christmas, a Christian theme to it. Yeah. So the read aloud was sort of already a part of who I was. I will say I tried the read after lunch with my kids that first year. And I would, you know, they'd be finishing eating and I'd be reading. And then all of a sudden I'd be going <laughs> and I'd be falling asleep. I've been up since, I don't know, five or six in the morning and I was tired. Yeah, so I ended up handing it off to my kid, one of my girls, because they were old enough to read whatever book. And that year I kept thinking, what are you modeling for your children, Carrie? What are you showing them? That reading is boring and it puts you to sleep. We have got to do something different. So that was what I had done as a public school teacher. The next uh -huh. year and for every year after that, the very first thing we did every morning when we all got together, that relationship building was right. to read aloud. It was basically mm -hmm. one hour. Some people call it morning basket, morning time. I ended up calling it family time. And I used it for a variety of things. And it changed the kids, especially younger. They would all pick a poem and read a poem out loud to us and you know That's practice great. some of that if we were doing a bible study we may do that we might do art appreciation one day or music appreciation we would sing a hymn every day but the last 30 minutes of that one hour was always read aloud now i will tell you not only do you have to de-school you and change the way you do right my kids were like what if we don't get our math done if we do read aloud first what if we don't get this done and i'm like you know what this is what's important. And I should back up and say, right. we did our family devotions at the breakfast table. So I don't want you to think that we were ignoring God, but we had done that. But um, I said, you know what? This is mom's decision. And if you don't get your math done because of read aloud, then we'll deal with it and it'll be okay. So sometimes right. we even have to retrain our kids, especially if we pull them out of the public school. They have that public so school mentality. So it's not just us. It's them as well. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things we would do. I also would, we would, um, I tried to alternate the topics of the books. I love doing the history books. So I would do that, read aloud. But, you know, we would do some, Hunter did like um, anything with water, like Swiss Family Robinson. So oh, I had to yes. make sure I was always including something he was interested in. He also liked the um, uh, King Arthur and... Uh, Robin Hood books, and I can't remember the author. Yeah, but um, he would like those. So we would alternate, and then the kids would be also reading individually whatever book we had chosen. And if they weren't like really into, say, they were reading through a historical time period, we would alternate those and let them choose. You know, like I would choose one, they would choose one. It wasn't like in a public school. Everyone's got to read the same thing and everyone's got to read whatever right. the teacher tells them and do whatever the teacher tells them. So I wanted them to be able to make some more decisions about their homeschool. That's a great idea because they, they do have to take ownership over time and those little choices that you provide them, even when they're younger about, you know, and then when they make the choice, we got to go through it. <laughs> it was your choice. Um, and, and so that's, those are good life lessons just in general um, and, and helping them to, 
to take ownership because going back to that conveyor belt um, analogy that you gave, there are no choices made throughout those 12 years. And then all of a sudden our students graduate and we say, so what do you want to do? And all of a sudden they have to make this major life choice after never having been given the ability to make choices for so long. Um, and no wonder they're under so much pressure and that they, they feel like the world is on their shoulders because they've never been taught how to make those decisions. So, so you just naturally integrate. And I think most homeschoolers do if we let go of that traditional model <laughs> that we have to give ownership and our kids have to become lifelong learners and in and through that that process. So um, I'll throw a yeah. little more idea on ownership that parents are like, oh, when and this is goes against that conveyor belt. When my kids got into ninth grade, they up until then I would plan their lessons and we would talk about mm -hmm. things. But I was the one writing it down on a little chart so they would know each day what they had to do on their own. Right. In ninth grade, they got a blank chart and every Monday that I would sit with them and we would talk through and pretty much after a semester, they could do it. I would still touch base. And really right. after the first year, they could plan their years. They made choices too. Yeah. Ashley never finished algebra two. Um, she got a college degree in a year and a half. So we did things very unusual there. Um, but like, Hunter, Gentry knew she wanted to go to Texas A&M, and so she knew whatever she chose was going to be the things that had to go there. And so she right. had already thought through that. They, Ashley and Gentry wanted to take an astronomy class, so we signed them up, and that was on their transcript as a science person. So the main we had a humanities class that was required, so that would cover your literature and your writing and your history. But after that they made decisions about, you know, what they were going to study and what they were going to do, which again goes back to ownership or taking leadership in your education. And that right. is very different than that conveyor belt. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes it so unique too, because they then pick and choose knowing where they're eventually going to go, what they need. Um, and it isn't so cookie cutter. And as I've interviewed people like that are, you know, hiring for jobs or doing college entrance, um, just um, applications and looking at transcripts, they said the more unique and um, the more specified that those transcripts are and the courses that your kids have taken, the more likely that they are going to be singled out as somebody exceptional because they didn't follow the cookie cutter conveyor belt. <laughs> that is so good. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. Yeah. And, um, and yet the whole mentality of the traditional education model is we just have to do it right and do it like everybody else. But when our kids graduate and they go into the work field and and they you know become who they they've been studying to to be that's that's when their uniqueness is so important and and so we aren't preparing kids for for that that transition to be the best they can be we're just teaching them how to be like everybody else <laughs> and, and then expecting that they'll be different when they come out on the end. <laughs> that is so true. And, you know, I think it is hard for moms. You said something about um, 
Like, am I, moms are like, okay, are my kids going to be okay? If I tell me exactly what to do. So my kids turn out. Okay. And that is a lot. I mean, there's two factors. One we've talked about is really getting to know each of your children. And um, like Ashley got a college degree in a year and a half. We were in Idaho at the time. We weren't really ready for her to come down here and be by herself. And so she did a distance learning college degree. When she came down here, she got a teaching certificate and taught at risk kids in the Texas public schools here. Um, The other two went and got a traditional four year degree. But one thing it's so part of it's knowing your kids. The other thing I think is important is trusting God for your kids. Oh, and so true. It yes. is so hard. And I have to be really honest. I I feel like I preach this to my homeschool moms. Okay, preach may be too strong. <laughs> but I share, I'm like, it, do this. I don't know that I did that as well as I would do it today. You know, I've walked through a lot of things in the last right. seven to 10 years. I think I would have trusted God more. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't pray for my kids. And But to really be trusting about each year and even through the year, what should I be doing? How should I be spending my time? And right. I really think of one of my students, um, mom students, said, Carrie, what makes you different is you're always telling us to have faith that God's going to show you exactly what you need to do. And she goes, that has just helped me so much. So I would just mm-hmm. say, um, if you need to rethink and retrain, get right. to know your kids and what's good. But I still say, go back to God. And I will say, I, I mean, I know I prayed and I know I trusted God. I just think I would have spent a lot more time in prayer. I guess if I had had more time, because when they're all little running around and you're going crazy, it's sort of hard. But that's just something. <laughs> those arrow prayers. It's just help me now. I know. It's really, I know. So anyway, that would just be one thing to encourage you when you do have to rethink the way you're homeschooling and get off that conveyor belt. I think God's the only one that's going to see you through. Absolutely. He created our kids and and we so quickly forget that because the security of the traditional education model seems like it's just such a good anchor. And yet it is not. That is your sifting sand. (laughs) The anchor is in God who created your kids, who knows their future already and knows exactly what you need to do to prepare that child in the way they should go. And if we listen and we rest in that, that is where the power comes in to really parent and educate our kids and, and prepare them because we just don't even know what's, what's coming about what, where my kids are right now as adults, I would have never guessed, you know, in, in the perfect world, I, I, you know, I would have had, you know, this, all these little things happen in a line. And when tragedy strikes, when a pandemic hits, um, when, you know, when new diagnoses come up and, and have I prepared them? Well, if I listen to God, yes, I have. But if I didn't, no, I didn't do my job. And, and that's hard because, you know, like Carrie, you said, you, you want those check boxes and, and that, and it, that shows I did a good job, but God's way of, of showing us we did a good job is very different. It's just being obedient and listening. And so I'm, I'm excited that you're preaching that yes, preaching <laughs> to your community because well, it's important. I know one of our talks in homeschool superheroes is most important 
subject to teach and I don't really in the description, we don't say what it is, yeah. but it's the Bible. And, yeah. you know, that is something else. I, I, I mentioned it quickly about read aloud, but truly I, I did not give God his due. Our really the most important thing we did every single day was have some sort of family devotions around usually around the breakfast table. When Steve came home and was working from home, he would lead it. I'll just tell you a quick little story. Um, We sort of, um, when the kids were little, we're talking five and under, we sort of did this about family devotions. And I was like, I think we should do it on a regular basis. And he's like, no, we'll just do it as it comes up each day and whatever. And I tell the story with full permission, okay? I'm not okay. trying to put him down. Um, I, well, I will tell you, both of us have told this story, our own versions of it, at homeschool conventions, too. But, um, you know, I did what every good wife does. I went, nag, 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 and that did nothing. And so right. I was listening to a James Dobson. It was back when we listened to radio. And um, it was just a few blocks away. And the lady was saying, don't nag. You need to pray. And so I actually, that was the day I quit nagging him about family devotions. I would still lead them when he would go off to the office, but, um, but I waited till he left because I didn't want to just put it in his face. I wanted to be respectful of him. And let me tell you, it did not change in a day, a week, a month, or a year. It was actually several years but when wow. he got on board with family devotions, he was all on board. And so, um, and he would, I mean, I'm just sitting at the table. He would sit right here at the head of the table and he would lead it. And he did such a better job than I did. And um, so both of us landed in the same place, obviously different routes to get there, but he would say yeah. the same thing, family devotions. That is what we need to do is pour Jesus into our kids. Now yeah. it may, it would look different at, you know, a five-year-old than a 15-year-old, but I will challenge you this. I just read a book called Together and it's yeah. a mom that um, says, asked her husband, hey, I'm really having a hard time reading my Bible. I'd like to read the Bible with the kids one chapter a day. What do you think? If I say I'm going to do it with the kids, I'm more likely to get it done. They decide yes. Her oldest is four years old and her youngest is a baby. And she tells the story. She's like, "Wow, I'm reading. Hey, mom, can I have another cinnamon roll? And then she reads, hey, mom, can I have this? And she's like, this is a failure. She goes in the kitchen, she cleans the dishes, and in the other room, the kids are acting out Cain and Abel. So your kids are never too young to actually yes. read the Bible itself, not a Bible story book. I think there's still a place for that. Right. So I would just really to challenge you that keep the most important thing, the most important thing, and really raising our kids to know God and love God. And you can't force it, but raising right. them to know God and giving them those opportunities to, to be with, the, um, with them. And so um, to spend time as a family in God's word and singing and yes. prayer and all of that, mm. that is to me the most important thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because when... <sighs> I mean, life happens, and those are the 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 grounding things that decisions get made upon. That um, truth is held up, you know, and 
all these facts, whatever that comes at us is held up against if that's our foundation. And we want that for our kids too. And you know, I remember my kids, you know, we did a lot of character training and that's my, my whole <laughs> talk about anger with Carrie um, kind of focuses on that. But my, my oldest son asked me at one point, why does it always come back to God? And, you know, what a good invitation to start talking about, you know, that, um, but it's because life is about God, you know, he made us mm -hmm. and, you know, you have those, those deep, good conversations. Um, and, and I think he was maybe six when he asked that question, you know, wow. and, and so those, the opportunity, because you spend so much time with your kids, we have time for those questions to cultivate and for us to then dive into them and and help them those seeds to grow. Um, otherwise, we're racing off, and I, I see this happening so much now with with kids, you know, going to school and then activities. The parents barely get to spend any time with their kids in general, um, and and homeschooling kind of flips that. Um, what are what's one of your best memories of just family time and and learning together? Well, I remember one time we were in the living room and I took a picture. It was before cell phones. So I don't even know where the picture is because I was like, oh, this would be in my imagination, the perfect homeschool thing. It's like only time in 10 years that it happened. <laughs> we had a fire, it was winter time, and the kids are sitting there working and reading, or I don't know what they were doing, but they were so absorbed in whatever they do. And, and that little fire in the background, I was like, oh, that's just beautiful. Well, let me just tell you that. That did not happen all the time. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I would say um, some of my favorite times, well, a couple things. One, read aloud really was not just because it was books, but it was a chance for us to start our day after breakfast um, all together. We continued to read aloud till high school until they left. So don't quit reading yeah. um, when they know how to read. Okay. I mean, I still remember Gentry and Hunter and I sitting on when Ashley was gone, uh, sitting on the bed. And they were folding laundry. And I want to say, we I don't know what we were reading, Robinson Crusoe or something. So I continue to read out loud. Sometimes we listen to audios as well. But that would be one thing. And then the other thing is just, I would say, lively discussions. Uh, again, yes. <laughs> the table is this was this. OK, God's the center of our home. But the table really was the center of our relationships. And. We would have discussions about all sorts of things. And I learned that a discussion doesn't have to always be about the Roman emperors or microbiology or whatever. It right. can be about anything. And my kids are still learning to communicate. And that was something That's I really so wanted them to do. And um, so I do remember, well, I'll tell you a story. Ashley's married to Jesse. And um, it was the first time he came over to eat dinner when they were dating. Mm-hmm. He is a Boston Red Sox fan and Gentry at the time was a New York Yankees fan. Well, she's used to discuss, argue, whatever. I mean, right. I'm thinking in my head going, zip it, zip it. Quit telling him how Boston Red Sox don't know what they're <laughs> doing or whatever she was saying. And um, But the thing about those type of discussions in our family, we could disagree, 
but we all knew we loved each other. And we yes. all knew, even if we had differing opinions about something, that we would all still love. And the funny thing about it is, Jesse is probably our biggest arguer. If you say it's black, he'll say white just for the fact of arguing. <laughs> and it didn't really even bother him because one time I was at their house and the next day he goes, Carrie, I hope I didn't disagree or hurt your feelings too much last night. I'm like, I know it's okay. You know, so <laughs> the thing is, you, I, I have really fond memories and still to this day of them discussing and just still loving each other. What a great skill too. We live in a world where if I don't disagree with you, I'm going to just dis just walk away. I'm not going to continue this conversation. I'm, you know, not continue even this relationship. Um, we just don't agree. And so therefore we're done, but that's not how God deals with us. And it's not how we are supposed to, um, deal with each other. Um, we need to understand we're unique. And of course we are going to have different opinions because of that uniqueness, but yet we can still love each other. And that love covers all those things and, and learn to listen to one another. It can change us um, because if we're closed off, we, we don't change. And again, that, that goes back to that traditional education model. It's the black and white, the right and the wrong. And we're, we're taught that from a textbook written by somebody who's interpreted, you know, the history or the, the science. And it hasn't, you know, I think the beauty of home education is our kids discover they they argue they they have this interaction with their learning that goes beyond just knowing the right answer and and how beautiful that is that you know our our kitchen table our you know where where we eat and our family meal has been that too it's been so hard with my kids moving out i was like i miss that so much because uh, i'm with one child and she she tries <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's mom and dad and her. And so it doesn't go very far. <laughs> she needs kind of that sibling backup sometimes. So, um, so those family get togethers are great, but, um, but yeah, I love that. Um, so as you know, we're kind of wrapping up this discussion, you know, as, as far as, you know, helping families to switch from this traditional model to embracing the true freedoms of home education, what advice do you have, um, for those that are going you know, I just, I either don't know how to, how I'm going to do this, or um, I want to do this. How do I take a first step? Um, just what, what advice would you have for them? Um, I would go back to one of the things I said recently, and that would be really seriously pray because I think God will bring the support and the resources that you need and to find out what direction, because there's a lot of ways to hop off that conveyor belt. Yes, there, you know, Some people are going to really into unit studies. But if you're a type A person, you're not going to have craft supplies and science equipment all over your kitchen table all the time. It's probably going to drive you crazy. And you right. may need something for yourself just to get going. So I would say, look at, look at your personality. Look yes. at your kids' personalities. Look at where you are. For instance, if you live on the farm and you've got six kids, you will homeschool differently than someone who lives in the city with just one child. So look right. at your circumstances and see what would work best. Don't just follow the crowd just because everyone's mm, doing classical so conversations yes. or just because everyone's doing Charlotte Mason classical, whatever they're doing. Do what God is calling you to do. And it, for the in the end, for me personally, 
I just, um, they would call it eclectic. I did a little bit of this as I learned about Charlotte Mason. Yeah. Then we did classical, which I liked unit studies because it was hands-on and the kids had fun. In the right. end, I pulled all that together and ended up doing eclectic with sort of a Christian leadership, like the leadership ownership. I wanted my kids mm -hmm. to be able to walk out of the house, being able to make decisions for themselves and lead themselves well okay. and lead others well. So I would say, look at where you are right now, go to God. And then if there is one or two veteran homeschoolers in your area, yes. go have coffee with them. And maybe not just once, and you may not be able to do it all the time, but maybe every other month or something, or depending on the situation, maybe she can come over and help you. If you're like, oh, I can't afford a babysitter to go out by myself, then find a friend and trade babysitting. And Absolutely. you go out one time with someone and she goes out and you take care of each other's. I mean, there's lots of creative ways to do right. this if money is an issue. But I would say, see if you can find someone who's sort of gone before you. They may not do it exactly the same way as you, but they may give you the freedom and share some of their stories to be able Absolutely. to support you. If they're Christian, they may pray for you and then just sort of try to touch base with them. That's the best. If you can't find someone face to face, I would encourage you to go online. That I will say, as I'm saying this, I'm like, Carrie, that's the whole reason you started Homeschool Superheroes. Right. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you share that at the beginning? It was basically to get veteran homeschoolers to be able to help people to go along the way. But yeah, if not, there are plenty of online support. Having said that, mm -hmm. You can get stagnant because you go and research everything and then yes. you're going to listen to everyone and then you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. I would right. limit all the input and just, you know, I would say maybe I don't know where you are when you're listening to this, but maybe take a week and do your research and then say, I'm going to start making decisions. God's going to show me. And if you pick something that doesn't work, it's okay. Give it enough yes. time. I would always say give whatever your new thing is at least a semester to try it out. Because, I mean, it, people are like, oh, it's the September. And I'm like, you haven't even given it really time to see if it works. And you've got That's to give so that true. some time. Yeah. So um, look at yourself and then go to God. Go to God first. But in going to him, say, okay, here's where we are and see what he has to say. Find some better homeschoolers that could support you. Um, yeah. And then just don't get stagnant. And what are they? Oh, there's a word about um, inf information. I'll think of it as soon as this is over. It's about information overload and, um, mm. and just not being able to take the next step because you have too much information. Yes. So those are just a few ideas. Yeah, that, that is such a problem now. I mean, it wasn't a problem when I started home educating. There wasn't enough information out there. And now, yes, it, it's like search, think, and then pray. And don't just fill a spot because it's empty, because that seems like it might work um, or it's good enough. Um, God has like the perfect thing. We just have to wait on him sometimes. And that's hard because we want all of our ducks in a row and we want everything to be ready when we start homeschooling. Um, but I, I love your idea of, of taking that that break and and really digesting the information instead of trying to make decisions with all the information still not yet settled in our brain. Um, that's, that's just too hard. 
Um, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about the resources that you have. Um, I will include these links plus more um, that Carrie will provide me um, in the description on YouTube as well as the podcast. But you have a website called Homeschool My Child. Uh, how to homeschool my child? What what can um, our viewers find on there? On there, you can find, we have a blog that has tons of information. You'll find freebies, um, like free activity guides and things like that. I do have a podcast. I think there's a link at the top. So there's a page there. And when you get there, you can either subscribe somewhere. It's Homeschool Coffee Break. I go go live pretty much once a week. And so there should be something new um, every week uh, in that. And then, and one of the reasons, you know, I sort of like, once I picked the name, then I was like, okay, now what does it have to do? But one of the things moms are overwhelmed, they feel like they don't, they want confidence. They don't know if they're doing the right things. So homeschool coffee break helps you stop the overwhelm so you can gain confidence to know that you're doing the right things and actually take coffee break. So hopefully (laughs) those things will encourage you a little bit. And then I do have a store there. We have lots of unit studies and um, mom helps like busy mom helps and drama free mom. And then our main course that I actually sell is raising leaders, not followers. And it is a six week course that will take you through. It'll take, we really start with that conveyor belt thing because that's what I had to do was hop off that conveyor belt. So I sort of, tell that as stories. And then we go through five steps of raising our kids in Christian leadership that includes moms, character building, love of learning, lifetime learning, and then those critical thinking, decision-making skills, especially with the older kids in hopes Mm -hmm. that they can really take leadership. They may not be the CEO, but they're probably going to be a mom and a dad, and they're going to need to be able to at least lead their family well. So hopefully these will be tools that you can learn, use as you homeschool. So it's basically a process of ways that you can homeschool your kids and have them ready, like Peggy said, so they can actually launch out into the real world and have a little bit more confidence. Absolutely. And then you have an event coming up um, next week, Homeschool Superheroes. Again, tell us about that. Well, it is. I will say you can get a free ticket. So that's one really good thing. And you don't even have to travel anything. It yeah. begins actually Sunday night. We have a kickoff. Every day I give a story, superheroes of the faith. I started this last year. So I will tell a story of someone either currently or in the past that was a superhero of the faith. And for instance, I talked about William Tyndale, how he was always on the run when he was translating the Bible into English. And so that's more of a story. And so we have a kickoff Sunday night. We'll go through everything about how to get the most out of the event. Every morning I will have a kickoff. My prayer partner is Jan Burt. So we will talk about other the superhero of the faith. She, we partner with a group called IAC. I donate 5% of my profits to this group that works to make homeschooling legal around the world. And then some of our speakers donate 5% and I match that 5% uh, just to help. So she tells one story every day about a country in the world and where they are with homeschooling. Some are praises. The government has made it legal. Some are per request. Things are yes. changing and you think it's illegal in strange places like France has really yes. tight restrictions mm-hmm. and England is starting to a lot more. So yeah. she does that and then we pray and then it, um, 
the next hour we've run a, the keynote. Peggy will be, I think, Thursday, but I'm yeah, Thursday. And then uh, we have a prayer room where people, if you want to come in, it's a private, confidential, not recorded room that you can go um, have Shan can pray for you. And then at one o'clock central time, we release all the sessions and you have 24 hours to listen to them. We have almost 50 speakers and 80 sessions that you can listen to. And we have a Facebook group and some of our speakers will go live during the week. And so you can actually go in and listen to them and ask specific questions. And we'll have a schedule of all of that when you sign up. Very cool. That's such an amazing opportunity. Um, so take advantage of that. That's homeschoolsuperheroes.com. And then finally, you have a um, uh, family business help website, familybiz.com. Can you talk a little bit about that too? Yes, this really started back um, when we were in Texas. My husband, we were moving to Idaho for him to go to seminary. He had a remodeling contracting business here in town. Well, you can't really take your clients up to Idaho and remodel their homes up there. So we ended up building a business that was online. Steve started teaching teenagers how to start their own business. We developed this family eBiz site. And so now it is really directed at online businesses, but it is so families, moms, um, dads, whoever wants to start an online business, and we will give you tips and tricks on how to do it. We do have courses as well. But again, on Mondays, right after my homeschool live in our family eBiz Facebook group, I go live and just talk about, you know, either getting started or a marketing strategy to build your business. We have people that are getting started all the way to, we have a few that are full-time as well, but most of them are in the getting started and the part-time income level. This is also a great place if your child or teenager is interested in having a business, they could yes. come on and learn about it and get started as well. Uh, my hopes is that we might actually do an event for family eBiz, but my bandwidth is only so much and I don't I know. know that I can add another thing to it. So <laughs> totally understand. So that's familyebiz.com if you're you're listening on the podcast. And again that that link will be in the description. Well thank you so much, Carrie. This has been such a delightful um, conversation and just all that you've had to share encouragement as as well as just changing our our perspective of what education truly is and how to embrace just the beauty of home education um, from just the lessons learned um, in your, in your journey. So thank you for being open and, and sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, this was great. Um, and this uh, interview now concludes our um, our veteran homeschool interviews as far as um, this month. Although next month we are homeschooling an, another homeschooling veteran mom who has advice to share with you about how to go all in and homeschool and persevere to the end. Um, she has had homeschooled a student with a learning challenge and she just wants to to show you given give her life as an example to to help you to persevere because I know some of those days are hard and we we get it um, here at Sped Homeschool and we just want to encourage you in that so um, so I just want to thank you all for joining us um, thank you Carrie um, audience check out Carrie's um, resources you will you'll definitely um, just love all that she has um, once you start diving into it so so check out her 
her links that we'll provide in the description or that we just shared. And, um, and also visit us at spedhomeschool.com for other resources for home educating your struggling learner. So thanks again, Carrie. And thank you all. We'll see you again here live in a couple weeks. Until then, God bless. Bye, everybody. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.